North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. You've tuned into the Dr. Lowe Show with naturopathic doctor, Dr. Lauren Noel, where you hear the best in natural medicine, nutrition, and mindset from the world's top doctors, authors, influencers, and Dr. Lowe herself. Trying just to pop a pill for a symptom? You've got the wrong exit. Seeking doable ways to live a happier, healthier life and have fun doing it? Welcome to the Dr. Lowe Show. Welcome back to another episode of Dr. Lowe Show. I am Dr. Lauren Noel and your host, naturopathic doctor. If you are new to the show, welcome. So great to have you. If you're a returned listener, welcome back. Tonight, we have a great show in store for you. We're going to be talking about life. And it's not one of those, you have constipation, take this kind of shows. It's really about, let's talk a little bit more. Let's get deep. And just talk about some of the things that really affect us. What really matters? What is this all really about? I met this guest um, a few months ago and had just this awesome conversation with him. And I knew I had to have him on. So I hope you enjoy the show. Let's jump into it. All right. We have my guest, Matt Gerspar, on the show tonight. Matt is an author, speaker, and entrepreneur. He is on a mission to improve the health and well-being of the world one person at a time. He's the founder of Happy Living, author of two books, The Belief Roadmap and Turning Inspiration into Action. And over the last 30 years, Matt has focused on training himself to become a successful businessman. And since 2014, he's shifted his focus from helping businesses to helping people. He writes every day to inspire others to believe that a better self is always possible today, every day for the rest of their lives. Matt, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to Dr. Low Radio. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's so great to have you. And I am getting a little flashback to when you and I had the chance to sit down and talk at Paleo FX. And I was helping out a girlfriend doing some recording for some videos and just was really pleasantly surprised and and had such a great conversation talking with you a little more about life and transformation and just that really anything is possible. So I knew that Having that time with you, it just inspired me that I, I knew I had to have you on the show and, and continue this conversation. And one of the things I love about, about doing the show is not only talking about health and nutrition, but also about mindset and personal development, because this is such a huge part of health, of just striving to be that best version of ourselves always, and that it's always possible, no matter what's happened in our lives. So there's always that opportunity to, to make that turn. So, But we'll dive more into that. First, tell us a little bit more about you, your story, kind of what brought you to this place that you're at now. Well, um, up until uh, 2014, I was uh, in the international trade business and uh, was really kind of a a hard-charging, hardcore business executive type of person and and just poured everything into that uh, that mission. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to sell my company at the middle of uh, 2014. And prior to selling, 
um, I had already shifted into the chairmanship and had started thinking about um, what would I do next. And in that thinking process, I, I really wanted to do something to give back um, to, to others for the successes that I've had in life. And, and I realized I wanted to do something rather than business to business, which has always been what I've done, uh, more what they call B2C, business to consumer, but, but really just to help people. And so I had that kind of in the back of my mind. And, and what really launched me down this path towards happy living and, and uh, writing the books and, and the work that I'm doing and loving today uh, was a really just a chance meeting with an old friend up in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> and uh, we, were, we went to high school together. And I hadn't seen him maybe once or twice since high school, so 30 years or so. And uh, my son joined us also. And so Kevin, my friend, Kyle, my son and I were just sitting around having a lovely dinner. And Kevin, who is a very fit, uh, happy guy, uh, married to the woman he loves, they have a child, own their house, he's a vice president in a successful business, you know, seems to have everything going on. And he started, he said maybe a dozen times during dinner, you know, Kyle, your father in my glory days are behind us. And the first time I heard it, I just kind of dismissed it. And then he said it again. And he said it again. I thought, what is going on here? Yeah. Uh, my glory days are not behind me. I see, you know, a lot of great stuff that I can do in my future. And I started thinking about there are a lot of people when they hit midlife, they they do kind of think uh, we're halfway there. And now it's, it's a slow downhill um, until we die. And so that really inspired me to to do something. And that something ended up being launching Happy Living about a year and a half later. Wow. That's really, really cool. So does your friend know about that impact that that had on you? <laughs> he does. And in fact, uh, I wrote about it in my, my second book, Turning Inspiration into Action. And before I uh, used his name, I asked his permission uh, to not to include the story. I was going to do the story anyways. Uh, but whether or not he wanted to be named. Yeah. And, and he said, you know, uh, I have no problem. He said, I really don't feel that way. You, come, you, know, you caught me at a bad time or something like that. Right. But he, had, he acknowledged that that feeling is something that we, we should try to uh, help others uh, eliminate right. uh, from this kind of thoughts. And, and so uh, he and I remain good friends and and uh, he said he wanted to be named in the book, so well, it all that good. <laughs> I love that it, you you know, something stuck in that moment that oh, it just didn't feel right for you, and you explored that a bit further, and you shared with him about your experience, and that he realized that wasn't really true for him either. And I think it just brings up the importance of our language, and that our words are so incredibly powerful, and that our our words really do create our world. And to be careful with our language, because it's easy for us to just say things kind of in passing or, you know, things that are said very commonly in our society of just, oh, I'm old and this and that, right? And so we can use these phrases as being cop-outs. And we may not even believe these things about ourselves, like you're, like you said for you and, you know, your friend didn't even think that. So I love that you brought that up because words really, really are powerful. I couldn't agree more. One of the, one of the expressions that I that I hear a lot and that talks to that exact point is when somebody's gained some weight and they say, my pants don't fit me anymore. Right. 
And of course, the pants didn't change. It's not the pants' fault. (laughs) The person changed. (laughs) So I can't fit into my pants anymore. Uh, puts the responsibility on me and not on my pants. Yes, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> I love that. There's so many other examples I'm sure we can think of. So what what is Happy Living? What What is it that you created? And, and um, tell us tell us a little more about that. So Happy Living is a, uh, is a um, blog site and a, and a business idea um, with the mission, as you mentioned, to improve the health and well-being of the world one per- person at a time. Um, we have, over the course of two years, we have solidified our strategy really into focusing on what we call the three C's. Uh, our content, grow, growing our content, so our, our blog posts, we've, uh, we'll be coming up on 300 posts, I think, uh, the first part of next year, which I'm very happy about. Amazing. Um, our community, growing our community size, both with our list, but also on Facebook and, and Twitter, and just trying to reach more people with our message. And then our connections, and that is uh, developing relationships with like-minded people um, that are, are on similar missions, um, just like uh, I made a connection with you as, as an example of that. Mm-hmm. And, and within that big, broad, bold goal to improve the health and well-being of the world, um, through hap- health and wellness, I wanted to figure out some way to kind of contain or constrain ourselves from what we could choose to write about or to research about or to experiment with. And so we came up with what I call our seven foundations of health. And that's kind of our filter of anything that we do, whether it's a blog post or a book or a talk or anything that that I get involved in with Happy Living, needs to touch on one of these seven foundations. And the foundations are configured like a pyramid with four blocks in the base and two blocks in the middle and one block on top. On the base, we call it our four fitnesses. So it's physical fitness, mental fitness, spiritual fitness, and financial fitness. And I think when we threw finance in there, it really changed, changed us from many other sites that are out, exist in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the two middle blocks are love and adventure. And then the block on the top is significance. And so everything that we do where I spend my time professionally I try to make sure that that it fits within those seven blocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. It's that context in, in which you live. And so, so tell us. Let's dive into a little bit more. So, physical, mental, spiritual, financial fitness. So, so how do people start to develop some of those things? Like, you know, I'm sure people listening can think, okay, well, I'm I'm fit. You know, I'm working out, or you know, maybe they've they've reach certain goals in terms of physical, but maybe financially they're not where they want to be. Or, you know, for many people, there really isn't much of a, of a spiritual connection. So how, how, how is it possible to, to, you know, get that kind of well-rounded base? Yes, that's a great question. And, and one of the, the, the things that I try to do at Happy Living is, and we have uh, some other writers as well, is really not to sort of say this is what other people should do because I can't presume to, to tell you how to live your life, but I can tell you how I've lived mine and I can share what we might call best practices with others. Mm-hmm. And if those fit, then, then that's great. That gives us the ability to help others through our own experience. So for me, what I try to do is, is you, know, you can't change everything all at once. Building a, a really good, happy, healthy successful life takes an entire lifetime. So for me, the first thing is, is to start slow, but keep moving, always keep moving forward on those things that you want to do. Um, 
maybe that's the second thing. The first thing is to define what it is you want to do. So as I think about my physical fitness and my spiritual fitness and mental fitness and financial fitness, I take time to reflect on where is my life? What do I want? Um, how do I want to live? And then I try to, to make sure that I spend time and resources in those four buckets. So a lot of it is through reflection and deciding what's important to me and to make sure I spend time on that. And at the same time, to identify things that are not important to me that, that I don't really need in my life and to try to get those out of my life so that every day, every week, every month, I'm doing something that supports my overall health and wellness, which would mean I'm doing something in each of those four blocks. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, and, and, and it's really when one of them is out, you can feel it for yourself that things aren't balanced out. You know, it's like you can have that physical fitness, you can have that spiritual connection, but maybe there's tons of credit card debt, debt right? And it's like that's weighing on you and that's like in the back of your mind. And, and all these things can, can play a part into that. So, you know, just even getting a, like a reality check of where things are rather than just having your head in the sand, right? Just looking at the, at the reality of it. Yep. It can be a little daunting, but it can also be very empowering. Yeah, and, and I think there's uh, one, of the, one of my favorite words is a Japanese uh, word called kaizen. And kaizen, have you heard of it? No. Kaizen is, uh, I learned of it, I don't know, maybe 20, 25 years ago. And it's the idea that small incremental changes um, continuously applied over time can yield very big results. Mm-hmm. And it came out of the when the automobile industry when when Japan really rose to to become the world leader uh, in the automobile industry that was their overall philosophy that small incremental improvements every that we keep, keep making on these automobiles yield big results in the course of the automobile and the business over time. Mm-hmm. So I try to apply that to my to my own life and to those things that are important to me. Um, that just making a small change if I have credit card problem. Uh, let's let's start by just cutting up the credit cards or just start by doing something, taking that first step in the direction of something that I've decided is important to me. Yeah. And then with as I've grown a little older, I've learned that I need to apply a heavy, heavy dose of patience. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a problem a lot of people have with, with transformation and with change is you see something, you get excited, you're inspired, and you want to be that tomorrow. Right. And it doesn't work that way. It takes time. Yes. But if you, if you put the time in, um, and you, there's a phrase I heard, uh, uh, consistent behavior in a purposeful direction, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. So if I, if I keep down the journey of getting out of credit card debt or getting in better shape or trying to learn how to meditate or whatever the case may be, if I keep at it, keep doing it, I'm going to see results. Yes. And that's, that to me is one of the biggest secrets of transformation is you just have to keep at it and you have to be patient. Absolutely. And I'm looking back on different, you know, achievements in my life and the best things I have achieved have been over very slow changes over time. (laughs) I can look back to that. I mean, I can't think of really anything in my life. I look back and it was like, I was one way, something happened and I was different, right? It was like, no, Mm -hmm. these slow and steady processes. I mean, even with the podcast, I've been doing this for, 
you know, over five years now. And for a long time, I didn't think anyone was listening. I just did it for fun, really. I just kept doing it. And pretty much because I have guests who are scheduled and have set times, that really held me accountable to doing it. So I realized that for me, having people who are scheduled with me to do things is what works really well for me to keep doing things. (laughs) So learning myself in that way has been huge. But it really, I mean, the best thing is just not stopping, just keep doing the show. And you know, after a while, it's like, oh, a lot of people are, li- oh, thousands of people are listening. Oh, wow. It's, but really it's taken a long time. And even, you know, going to naturopathic school and, and becoming a doctor, I mean, that started years and years before I ever graduated and got my diploma. So I think, you know, having that incremental everyday work, and it may seem like it's not doing much, but it creates massive changes. Absolutely. And just the fact that you begin the journey of something that you've decided is important to you. Yeah. That every every day that brings positiveness into your life. Yeah. All by itself. You're not you're not there. You're maybe you're never going to be where you want to be, but you're on the journey to to becoming that. Yeah. That brings huge satisfaction to a person's life. And really though, is there ever really an arrival? I don't, I can't imagine that there is one. There's never an arrival. So that's an illusion thinking that when I get to this point, it's going to be done or I'm going to be happy. You know, when I get to this weight, I'm going to feel good. Or when I make this amount of money, I'm going to have, you know, this experience. It's like, it's, it's just, it's kind of an illusion. It's just that that's the choice daily to, to have that experience now. I I think so. And I, I think, you know, it said often and over and over again, you know, it's all about the journey. Yeah. And, and I think that is true. And, and I, I think the, the trick is, what journey are you on? Are you on somebody else's journey? Right. Which is what, what many people do. They, you know, go to this college that their parents wanted them to go to. They take the job that maybe their, their family wanted them to participate in. And if it's not your journey, then when you're engaged in it, uh, it's not going to be nearly as satisfying as if your your parents were, well, I'll give you an example. I just wrote a uh, beautiful um, blog post interview about a uh, lady named uh, Tiffany Schlein, who created, uh, she's the founder of the uh, International Character Day. And both her parents were uh, doctors. And one was a medical doctor and the other was a, uh, uh, I think her mom was a psychiatrist, something like that. And she said that her father must have given her three or four times the same book about how a girl can become a doctor. But her dream was to be a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And that's the path that she chose. I have no doubt if, if Tiffany had gone into medicine, she would have been a huge success. But she followed her dream and her passion. And while you know that may have caused some hiccups in the early days and probably wasn't nearly as financially rewarding, she's doing work that she loves and that is meaningful to other people. Yeah. That's what, you know, when we talk about significance at the top of our pyramid, that's the criterion for me, Mm -hmm. that you have to do things that you love and that are of value to others. And if you can find that out and you spend time on that, that's how you build a a really wonderful life, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. One that feels good and you pop out of bed like a little kid. That's right. Exactly. So you write about in your in your book, chapter fourteen. You you talk about um, your own Viking funeral. So what's that all about? Oh, that's kind of fun. <laughs> um, one of the things I've noticed, and uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the um, the the what's it called Met, Metcalf's law. Mm-mm. 
Metcalf, he was an, an economist, and he created this this law that kind of uh, talks about the power of networks. And the analogy that he uses, it, it was a little while ago, um, maybe two decades ago, when he came up with this, something like that. So the analogy was the, the fax machine. And when the, when the very first fax machine was invented, it didn't have very much value because there was nobody to fax to. <laughs> you, when you add a, another member to that network, you, the you gain more value. And he said there's an exponential relationship between the value of the network and the number of users in the network. And I think that applies to our life and to experiences also, that the more things that we do, the more adventures that we have, um, it creates a, a network inside us of, our, of ourselves and all our own adventures. And so the Viking funeral is kind of one of those mashups of of a bunch of different components of my life. And the, the first part of that was I watched a wonderful show called Vikings on the History Channel. And if you or your, uh, your uh, listeners haven't seen it, it's a, it's a wonderful uh, series. It's about a Viking king named Ragnar Lothbrok. <laughs> and so uh, my wife and I, I had watched it a couple years ago, and then I got my wife to sit down with me and just recently... Uh, about a year ago, we, we watched through the whole thing. And so I had Vikings kind of on my mind. Um, the, the second part of the mashup that created this uh, Viking funeral was a couple of years ago after we sold our company, uh, my wife and I bought a uh, lake house in, uh, in uh, North Carolina. And uh, I've kind of made it, it my second half mission to become a master of all things water. So uh, I'm really not very good at mechanical things. The first time I, I got on our a jet ski that, that uh, we bought as, as one of our lake toys, I crashed it right into our lake wall. <laughs> oh. The very, very first day, it was brand new. I crashed it. Bummer. Uh, I crashed our boat into a, into a restaurant like in the second or third week. And so um, I've decided that I spent my first half of my life as a land creature and I want to be a master of all things water in the second half of my life. And so I'm going to invoke uh, Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours. He says, if you do anything for 10,000 hours, you can become a master of it. So that's my mission is to become a master of all things water. <laughs> the third part of the mashup is uh, I've always loved numbers and, and symmetry. And, and I've had a longevity goal to live to be over 100 years, to, to be 100 years old. And so my birthday is on June 4th, so of 1961, and I thought, well, June 4th, 1961, that would be um, June 4th, 2061, and I thought, well, let me just shoot for another three years, so then it'll be 6464, so that'd be a cool goal. <laughs> and so I just was putting all those things together and said, you know, what I'd like to do is, is when, I'm, when I die, uh, and as I write about in the book, um, my my final day is July 4th of 2064, so I actually got to celebrate my 103rd birthday and that I've got a paddleboard that I love uh, using and that they're going to just put me in a pine box, lay me on that paddleboard. Um, it's going to be the 4th of July, and so um, my friends will carry me out to the water, lie me down gently on the water, my wife will give me a kiss goodbye, and they'll set me a fire and push me off into the lake under the fireworks for the for a proper Viking king funeral. <laughs> wow. And while I don't think I'd, you know, qualify to be a king, 
perhaps at least a master of my paddle boards is sufficient to get the Viking funeral. <laughs> That's definitely a vivid, uh, vivid visual. <laughs> but you know, I think it's uh, the power of visualization is powerful, right? It, I, I really think it is, and I, I think it's it really just goes back to me to um, continually kind of re-looking at your life and what's important to you and what you want to do. And now if I, of course, it's it's somewhat funny, but uh, actually, I mean, I would love nothing more than to have that kind of a funeral. Yeah. Uh, just like that, it'd be awesome. But having that in my mind, um, you're right, that does it. It pulls me forward in things that, uh, well, I can't, I'm not going to make it to 103 if I don't stay in really good shape. Right. I'm not going to make it to 103 if I don't eat right. I learned a long time ago, and there's so much news now about you can't exercise your way out of a diet. I never believed that, you know, in, in my 30s, but I know it to be true now. So I have to eat right, and all these things go into you know how you live every day. But part of how you live every day is to be moving in a direction. And my little Viking funeral vision gives me a vivid direction to move towards. Yeah, for sure. Well, the bigger vision is key as well as, as, as we said, the daily practices that matches with that vision. So uh, I would love to hear maybe what are some practices that you do. So what are some things that you do throughout your day, maybe morning routine or nighttime routine, or just daily practices you have that, you know, have you on that trajectory for, for that Viking funeral ultimately? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I usually get up fairly early in the morning Um you know, a little before seven, it used to be earlier in, in my business days, but uh, I've also learned that uh, sleep is, is hugely vital. So I try to get eight hours of sleep a night. And so I'm usually up around a quarter to, to seven or so. And um, I've started meditating as a real regular practice, uh, maybe for a couple of years and, and on and off again for probably four or five or six years. And the thing that really finally stuck to practice for me was I'll prepare my coffee machine in the evening. And so when I get up, the first thing I do is turn the coffee machine on, let it brew and percolate. That usually takes about 10 minutes or so. And I go outside in the, in the uh, summertime, and then I, or I go up to my office in the wintertime if the weather's bad, and I do 15 minutes of just trying to, just to sit and relax and empty my mind as much as, you know, do meditation as good as I can possibly do it. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, that's a, a practice that I've brought into my life. Um, afterwards, since I sold the business and I have a little bit more control of things, I, I try to spend about an hour while the kids are getting ready for school and all that, just being around. So, um, and then when they're off to school, I, I spend about 30 minutes or so reading. I read every single day. Uh, I think that's hugely important for if I go back to the pyramid, it's great for uh, mental fitness. I, th I read uh, in spirituality as well, so it helps me in my spiritual fitness. Um, and it's also for adventure. Mm -hmm. You know, reading is a great way to get experiences um, through other people and ideas through other people. So I typically spend you know thirty or forty minutes every day um, reading with my little Kindle reader. Uh, one of the things that I've added to my reading experience is. If I'm reading anything that uh, I think is an important message for happy living, um, I've, I just uh, share a, a highlighted 
uh, passage from my Kindle reader and put it out there with the, the label ideas for hashtag happy living. And then I would include via whoever the author is. And so that's great fun for me. I've got, you know, thousands of tweets out there of, of passages that if I was reading my book and I was sitting with you at a coffee shop, I would say, look, Lauren, what I, what I found today, and this is a, a message that's really important to me. Uh, one the other day was reduce what you want, reduce what you have, um, something like that, and, <laughs> and reduce what you want. They didn't use reduce twice, but that was this, it was the same message. So build your life needing less and having less and wanting less. And so I highlighted that. But now in social media, I can share that with all the followers that I have on Twitter. And uh, so I, I do my reading and, and sharing in the morning. And then since I've changed my life to, be, uh, to become a writer, I write. And so uh, I'll sit down for, I time myself for 100 minutes every day that I got to be sitting down at my computer writing for Happy Living or writing for my books, uh, whichever project I happen to be on. And, and I guess the, the other two practices I put into my day is, is um, I've, I eat properly and um, usually, you know, no processed foods, no sugars, and, and uh, try to eat uh, a proper amount. There's a great, another Japanese term, hari, hari hachibu, I think it's called, hari hachibu. Mm-hmm. And it means eat until you're 80% full. Mm-hmm. It's a it. great, great philosophy. And then exercise. Exercise is, is as much a part of my day as brushing my teeth, and, and I just uh, literally don't miss exercise. And so it's just a you know, matter of over time, I've, I've tried to, to do more things throughout my day that bring me satisfaction or, or, or help me along or move me forward. And I try to do fewer and fewer things, um, more and more things that I want to do and fewer and fewer things that I have to do. Yeah. And that to me is a, is a practice that uh, you, can, you can begin even if you're, when I was young and, and broke and, and didn't know very much and just getting started in my life, you know, my life was full of have-to-dos. And if I can only carve out 1% of the day for the thing that I want, maybe I want to get back to being you know, a, a drummer in a garage band. And I can just carve out a little bit of time on that. And over time, as I, as I go through my life, I want to continually add to that pile of time that I do what I want to do and eliminate the, the time that I'm doing things that I have to do. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's also a practice that I've applied. And, and believe me, when you get to a certain point, as, as I am now, where I do mostly things that I want to do, it's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's worth it. And it's a choice, too. It's like, you know, a lot of the things that we do in our life – if we really stop and think about it, a lot of them we probably don't have to do. And, and you know, and, and I hear it a lot where patients say, oh, I, j- I just don't have a choice. It's like we always have a choice. There's right. always a choice. We may not, it may not seem like it's very apparent right now, but there is always a choice of what to do, right? There absolutely is. And it's a, it's a matter of, uh, I've heard, a, a, I read a book recently called The One Thing. Yeah, love it. I think it is the one thing. Mm-hmm. And his approach is, uh, and I'm going to be writing about this. I think it's coming up in the next couple of weeks. I'm scheduled to write a post about it. Um, but he says, you know, you, you have to focus on 
one thing at a time. In fact, the, the term or the word priorities didn't used to even be plural until I think about 80 or 90 years ago. Mm -hmm. There was no such thing as priorities. You had a priority. That was it. Mm. <laughs> it, meant, it means the one thing that you're focused on. Um, so you can't be focused on more than one thing. And one of the things that this, I, I don't remember the author's name, but it's the, it's the one thing is the name of the book. Um, he says you focus on your one thing, and when you do that, there's going to be a whole bunch of messes that pile up around, around you. And it, but that's okay, he says. Try to live with some of those messes because by your own definition, you're working on the one thing that's most important to you at that time. And if you, keep, if you keep saying, what's the one thing I can be doing right now that's going to move me forward in, in my life in the direction I want to do, and I, and I force some time on that, that's the way I'm going to advance my life faster than doing all those things that need to be done. Right. And of course, it's a balancing act because you, you have to do certain things that you have to do. But to, it's, it's getting back to and building your life around what is that thing that really lights your fire that you're really excited about that really is your unique gift to the world and if you can discover that um, and just start start down a path and just don't stop um, you will eventually be able to spend more and more time doing that thing yeah one of the questions I ask my patients in our first appointment is what do you love to do what are your hobbies and it's really common where patients will say, well, I don't know, like for one, they can't even really think about it because it's been so long since they've done the things they want to do. But, but even if they do know what that hobby is, a lot of them just don't, don't do it. So right. a lot of what we focus on is, okay, let's get you back to doing what you love to do because that's a part of health too, is, is pursuing those things you're passionate about and you may have forgotten. So, yes. you know, make a list, you know, what are things that make me happy? Make a big old list of what are the things that make you happy? It could be simple as petting my dog, you know, it could be anything. And then what yes. are the things that make me unhappy and write those things out and then focus more on the things that make you happy. Do more of those things and less of the other things. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's a great practice. And it, it reminds me of in, in the second book, Turn Inspiration into Action. One of the, as I, as I started down the path of writing that book, I was, um, trying to think of, you know, what is the process for, for change, for, for transforming life, for discovering what you want? And I think the start of that process is, is answering what I would call the, the first question is, what inspires you? And so one way you can figure out what inspires you is you can make a list of things you like to do and, and make a list of things you don't like to do, just like you suggested. Uh, the other thing is just to pay attention as you're going through life, when something when when you feel you see someone or you see something and, and it feels really cool to you or or you you have a feeling inside you that I want to be like that person or I want to do that thing or or I want to maybe it's I want to own a boat that boat or whatever it is when you feel that inside you that's important mm. and I would write those things down too uh, you may never ever have thought about being a musician but you might really be turned on by watching musicians and if you have that feeling that's important mm -hmm. and so I would write down those things that give you an inspiring feeling and make that a part of your list as well yes absolutely and even just being in that space of thinking about those things your brain is thinking you're actually doing it if you imagine yourself doing those things you're having that experience as well so that's that's where the power of imagination is so vivid that's a great point and you mentioned that we met at the paleo effects conference and I was uh uh, 
so pleased to be invited to, to do the keynote there. It was a real, real great honor for me. And one of the main messages of the keynote presentation was that, look, you 5,000 people have come to this conference and you've come here with the idea to become more after the conference than you were before you got here. Yeah. And so the starting point for that becoming more is to pay attention to what inspires you. And as you said, when you just make that a trigger, that it's something in my brain, I said, you know what, I'm going to pay attention today to what inspires me. Now you're going to have a whole different experience at that conference because, you know, if you hear a speaker and you really get turned on by his or her message, you're going to be paying attention to that and writing it down. And it's the same way as just as you're living your life. Um, if you really are just paying attention to what makes you feel good, um, to what inspires you, to, to what makes you smile, those are all, that's your, that's your heart talking to you that, hey, Matt, you should be doing more of this thing because it makes you feel really good. Right. Yeah. And that's where you're more yourself, right? And you're coming alive. That's right. Yeah. Right. So on a practical note, so listeners on the show, how, how can we give some advice of how to live happily every day? So how to make this a practice where this is, you know, a daily kind of experience? So again, in the, in the second book, I wrote about um, transforming a life from where you are to where you want to be. It's basically what the concept of the book is. Mm -hmm. and, and I shared about eight big transformations in my life. And, and I distilled it into a process that is really a very, very simple process. And it's the way I try to live my life every day. And it starts with, with three questions. The first question is, what inspires me? So I really try to pay attention to that. And I'm always looking around, trying to be curious and trying to, to feel, you know, how things make me feel. So that's the first thing. What inspires me? The second question is, why is it important to me? And so um, why it's important to me, I might find, I'll use an example. Um, the other day I saw this really cool um, seaplane land on the lake right out in front of my property. Mm. And it made an impression on me. I mean, I, I said, God, that's really a cool thing. And my dock is sitting right there. And I could just imagine pulling my seaplane up and, and docking it at my dock or, or even going down and picking up people at the airport and coming into the lake. I mean, how fantastic would that be? And then I thought about it and said, why, why would that be important to me? Well, it's not important to me. First of all, it's ostentatious. Second of all, I'm a terrible driver. I'd probably kill myself. And I can make a whole list of reasons why a seaplane shouldn't be a part of my life. So, <laughs> yes, it did inspire me, but it's not important to me. So I let it go. Yeah. And um, by the same token, around the same time, I got to do a, a workshop at a conference about turning inspiration into action. And my daughter afterwards said, Dad, that's your book. And during that workshop, you know, it just felt like magic. Everything was working. It, it, time seemed to stand still. It's like I was in the zone that people talk about. And it felt so good. And when I, I, so I was inspired by that. And when I figured out why is that important to me? Well, it helps me to help people, which is a mission of mine. It supports everything I'm doing in Happy Living. Uh, it supports my whole reason for starting Happy Living by giving back to others. And so everything that I looked at, why is, is writing, turning inspiration into action important to me, it lit every single trigger that I had. Mm -hmm. so, so that's, I'm going to hang on to that. And then the third question is, how will I bring it into my life? And I think this is the one that trips up so many people. Because if, 
before I decided, I, and I'm putting up air quotes, that I wanted to be a writer, I was already a completely busy person. My life was full. I, didn't, I wasn't sitting around with two hours of time to spare. So right. when I decided I want to be, a, I'm not want to, I'm going to become a writer. I'm going to transform myself from a business guy into a, to an author. I had to figure out how I'm going to bring that into my life. That's the question. How will you bring it into your life? And that how, how question starts with identifying things that I'm doing now that I can get rid of, that I can stop. And in my particular example, at Happy Living, we were trying to also build products. I came from the software development business. Uh, so we were looking at doing some software development. And we were also looking at doing adventures, taking people on grand adventures for Happy mm-hmm. Living. And we had experimented with both of those things. And I really had some real fun pet projects that I wanted to do. But I decided those weren't as important as as becoming a writer and, and turning Happy Living into a publishing company. Mm-hmm. So I just I let those go. And I rearranged my entire work schedule so that I made writing first. Writing was a top priority. And the important thing is not, not that story, but the, the question, how will you bring this thing into your life? So when you ask the three questions, what's important to me, why is it important to me, and how will I bring it into my life, you invoke what I call the three powers. Um, the first power is the power of priority. When I said no to the seaplane and yes to becoming an author, I invoked the power of priority, and that's a huge power. Mm-hmm. When I determined, when I answered the question, why is it important to me, I started anchoring things about becoming an author and writing that particular book to anchoring it to my heart, and that invokes the power of the heart. It's like the mama bear uh, power. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that mom loves her bears, and she's way, way more powerful if you're messing with her bears and otherwise, with her cubs than otherwise. So that's the power of the heart. And when you um, answer the question, how will I bring it into my life, and then actually start doing it. So that first day I sat down on my back porch and I started writing that book. That, taking that action, bringing it into your life and acting on it invokes the power of the universe. And so it's those three powers, the power of priority, the power of the heart, and the power of the universe that give a regular, ordinary person – the power to overcome what I call the gravity of life that holds us in place. And those are all the negative things like procrastination and self-doubt and worry and, and all the you know busyness of life, uh, expectations of others. All that stuff tends to hold life in place. But these three powers give you enough power so it looks like you're defying gravity and you're just living this beautiful life that makes other people think, how do they do that? Mm. Uh, and of course, you're doing it with a ver- with a lot of help from these powers, and it all comes from really identifying those things, those few things that are really important to you, and spending time on them. Mm-hmm. And if you keep that practice up, your life goes on a journey because you know what's important, what inspires you today is very different from what inspired you 20 years ago, and it's going to be a lot different from what inspires you 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. So that process of asking those three questions and paying attention to your life takes you on this beautiful journey. How, how often do you recommend that those questions are asked? Is it maybe a yearly thing, or what do you think? I think the, the, 
the first question, what inspires me? I think that's a daily thing mm -hmm. that you just need to really be paying attention. And it also helps with, you know, all these terms of mindfulness and being in the now. It's really just paying attention uh, as you're living your life. And then and the second one, you know, is, is why is it important to you? Um, I have a practice of, and it's not, not a real strict practice, but I take time to reflect um, often. I, I like to hike a lot, and I reflect a lot during my exercise, if I'm hiking or paddleboarding, um, just thinking about things. And, and that reflection time is when I say, you know what, I used to you know, spend a lot of time being a businessman, and now uh, you know, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift gears. Or you know, I used to, you know, I, I, I don't know what I would, good example I used to do. But that gives, <laughs> that gives me the time to ask that second question and to think about it. And that time um, is really how I came up with the seven foundations of, of health. That's, those are the things that are important to me. Yeah. Um, it's that time that I came up with, you know, um, the idea of uh, what I call the seven wonders of my life. And, and this is how I want to spend my time is with my, my one true love, with my family, with my friends, and with fitness in my financial world, in my business world, and, and create an adventure. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think continually taking time for continuous reflection in a, um, in a relaxed way, not with any objective in sight, but just unplugging from the world and maybe thinking a little bit about, you know, what inspired you and then asking the question why in a playful way, uh, I think leads you to saying, you know what, I want to make a shift and I'm going to stop doing A and start doing B. Right, right. What I love about those three questions, what inspires me, why is it important to me, how will I bring it into my life, none of those require having to go to an outside source to get advice. It's all coming from within yourself. And I yes. think that's such a huge, powerful point that you're you know, bringing up that we, we know it's already deep down what it is that's important to us and what it is that is going to have us experience, you know, the joy and the happiness and to, to live life happily every day. Um, and, and I, I love that point. It's that it's already within us, but it's just taking that a little bit of that time, having a little bit of that space where we can slow down, we can kind of let things settle and, and just have that, um, inspiration and those ahas that come to us. Um, and also too, the, how will I bring it into my life? Of course, the action comes into it too, right? It's just, right. you know, and I, and I think too, I, I love um, Marie Forleo, what she says is that um, uh, clarity comes through engagement, that being mm. in that action, making those daily choices, those habits, more inspiration comes out of that too. So, but it's being in that regular space of doing the work. So, um, but I, I love this stuff, Matt. I think it's, it's so important, so inspiring. And, um, and so much, so many of us can get so much out of this of just reflecting and, and checking in with ourselves of what's, what's true for us. And what is it that lights us up? You know? Well, yes. And I, I think a, a part of that, you know, discovering what it is that lights you up, um, expectations of others really, really gets in the way of that. Yeah. But, but even more of that, our own expectations that we have of ourselves. Yeah. You know, if I, if I grew up and I expect myself to become a doctor, uh, I guess it's almost silly because if you expect something of yourself, it probably came from outside anyways. But it, over time, it may really feel personal. But if it doesn't feel good to you, it's not right for you. Mm -hmm. You might have to do it for a while, but if it doesn't feel good for you, it's not right for you. And, 
And, you know, I would just encourage uh, trying to trust that inner feeling when you feel it. Yeah. And, and the second thing, it didn't happen. I didn't discover this, this idea until about the fourth edit of the book. And it's this whole idea of overcoming gravity. And I, I realized after you know, I spent eight, or eight months on this book just immersed in trying to figure out how turning inspiration into action works. And I, I finally realized that we don't spend any time or I don't spend any time in the book trying to overcome those forces of gravity that I have in my life. I don't have to improve them. I don't have to be less self-doubtful. I don't have to be, in my case, my big gravity is worry. I don't have to worry less. I don't have to worry about worry because I'm creating so much power that it looks like I'm defying gravity. Mm-hmm. And so I use the analogy of Michael Jordan. You see Michael Jordan in his day, man, he could just fly like nobody's business and it looked like he could defy gravity. But you know what? The laws of gravity affected Michael Jordan just as much as everybody else. He was just more powerful. Mm-hmm. And so that to me was really liberating because so much, you know, of, of life people are, are, are self-improvement. They say you have to overcome those negative things in your life. And I think maybe you don't. I think if you really focus on what inspires you, you and you discover why it's important to you and you anchor it and because it's, you know, it really is real and this really is me and you spend time on that and you keep at it, that's the way you move forward and, and it, it can take you into a uh, maybe a very unexpected direction, but also a very wonderful direction. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love this stuff, Matt. This is so, so good. Well, I just, I just want to thank you so much for, for taking the time and gracing us with your presence and your insight and your wisdom. And for you guys listening, definitely um, pick up Turning Inspiration into Action. It's an amazing, amazing book. And also his other book, The Belief Roadmap both just like soul candy. This stuff is, I haven't really read a lot of this stuff in, in any other books. It's really, really unique information. And you can tell that, you know, Matt, I can tell you've spent a lot of time and a lot of, um, you know, just really, you know, digging deep into what it is that, that you're here to do and to create. And it's just this beautiful work of art that you've, that you've written in this book. So I just want to really acknowledge you for that. And just thank you for, for bringing this work to the world and for, and for doing the work to, to, um, you know, tap into this in your life because it's, it's, it's helping so many people and I know it'll continue to do that. So, um, thank you for, for your generosity and for your time. And, um, you know, I, I just really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed, enjoyed our talk and your show and, um, really appreciate your giving me a platform to, to share it with others. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dr. Low Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. And for more after the show, you can head over to drlowshow.com where you can find the show notes. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share with all your friends. And please head over to iTunes and leave the show a five-star review and leave a comment. I read each and every one and they warm my heart. Thank you so much again for joining us. I promise to keep bringing you fun, inspiring, empowering content. Until next time, lots of love and I'll talk to you soon.
North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10.